Don't dude. you get I don't want to podcast anymore today? Hold, but this is important. Oh, come um, on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Contact. Contact! It's the season! Uh, okay. Yeah. So, hi, everybody. Hi. Uh, welcome to another exciting episode of Pie Factory Podcast. It's uh, 131, I believe? I think it's 132, actually. Pardon the contradiction. And of course, uh, you're right, it is 132. Um, so, yeah, so in this episode, we'll be talking about lots of things. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, just... Uh, I've been having a lot, just a a little spoiler alert, uh, I've been having a lot of fun with these games that we're talking about today. And the thing is, that's one of the downsides about doing this podcast, is sometimes I get really into the games, only Mm -hmm. to have to switch gears and play two other ones for for a while. Right, yeah, I I, I know that. I I find myself going back sometimes, and then not getting enough practice in on the next games. Oh, one thing, I I was when I was scrolling uh, the the list in MAME to look for uh, the games, I came across a game called Looper. Not Looper. looping, but Looper. Looper. It's a uh, a maze game, uh, and you're like a, a caterpillar, and you're on uh, on a tree, and uh, you have to uh, eat all the dots, just like, uh, you know, Pac-Man sort of thing. Huh. Uh, you got two different weapons, though. Uh, if you pick up like a fruit or an ice cream sundae or something, you can uh, use that kind of as a power pellet against the enemies. Or... There are some branches that rotate. If you're on a branch that rotates and you're being chased, the branch will rotate as soon as you get off of it, and it'll toss the uh, the enemy coming towards you off the maze for a little. Oh, bit. it's one of those enemy tossers. It's uh, yeah, it's an enemy tosser. So uh, that was a kind of a fun little find. I played that a few rounds tonight, but uh, as long as we're talking about uh, games we've played, I've been still putzing around with the uh, the Fuji Net and my Atari. Uh, CX-22 uh, trackball. I'm thinking about ordering my first uh, trackball conversion, game conversion from uh, Atari Age. Ooh. I'm thinking about getting the um, the trackball version of Reactor. Oh, yeah. To see how that plays. But uh, again, if you've got an Atari 8-bit computer and you've got Missile Command, get yourself one of these trackballs. It's got the joystick trackball switch. And when you load up Missile Command, you hit Control-T and it'll put it in trackball mode. And that makes such a difference in the gameplay. It's really fun. It's really great. Yeah, I got one of those same adapters that you that you talked about, and um, yeah. I tried it with Centipede, really just for a few seconds in Mame, and I totally didn't know that when you're using the command line version of Mame, which I do, you have to type, I think, hyphen mouse in order mm-hmm. to activate it. Yeah, I um, I just use a GUI version of uh, of Mame, and uh, you can set all those set all those uh, settings the default settings and uh, so you don't have to do that every time Hmm. and um Hmm. i still need to try a few more games uh the trackball and that that adapter work really good with uh well with every trackball game i've thrown at it i've been trying to i've been thinking about doing some spinner games like uh, tempest oh yeah and uh major havoc have we talked about major havoc yet i i thought we did we did did no i don't look like it so I'm thinking about doing that. And um yeah, it was it was crystal again. I mean, you can play these a lot of these games through MAME just yeah. using your you know, a joystick or whatever, but if you got a trackball, it's a million times different. As I've said before, you kind of got to putz around with the settings and dial in the correct sensitivity putz. and speed and all that. 
But once you get everything set perfectly, man, that's uh, quite literally a game changer. Oh, you know what somebody needs to do? If it, Maybe it's been done and I just don't know it. Somebody needs to make a trackball version of fast food. Oh, the Atari 2600 game. Yeah. Yes, I've got that one. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, that would be great. Might even work good for, might. well, maybe not Taz. But uh, fast food and Taz on the 2600 are kind of the same game. It's just Taz has uh, rows and the, you snap between the rows. You don't glide effortlessly between yeah. It would work a lot better with fast food. Sure, yeah. Well, Asterix, if you're not in North America. Well, of course. As long as you're on the Atari kick, have you seen oh. uh, the Atari 50 collection coming out? I've heard of it. I just didn't look at it. I don't have a game list right handy, but uh, they're basically going to have uh, games from all Atari uh, consoles and computers except the ST line. And mm. um, they're, they're going to have a sampling, including uh, the 2600, 5200, 7800, the 8-bits, uh, the Jaguar, which uh, Jaguar emulation, from what I understand, has been pretty sucky. And so that's going to be interesting to see. Then, of course, uh, a sampling of the arcade games. And, um, oh, and somebody pointed this out, and I showed you the, I, I shared with you the video. Uh, there's actually a Yars Revenge uh, sequel out now called yeah. Yars Reloaded for the PC, for the uh, quote-unquote VCS. And uh, I don't know if that's coming to, like, the Switch or whatever, but it probably would be. I wouldn't, I would imagine so. But uh, that looks badass, and I've been wanting, I'm, I'm thinking about... Uh, Possibly buying that after we're done recording tonight. So, um, yeah, so that's uh, everything Atari's been doing since the VCS has been amazing. And somebody pointed out why. Uh, Fred Chesney, former, the, <laughs> I just let the cat out of the bag, the CEO of Atari was uh, taken out of his CEO position and replaced with somebody who actually cares about the, uh, the IPs. Hmm. And uh, so uh, we don't have a VCS debacle to go through, which I got to give him credit. I mean, I didn't think it was ever going to come out. It came out. It was underwhelming like I thought it would be, but at least it came out, uh, unlike the Intellivision Amico. Oh, boy. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they're doing a lot of really neat stuff uh, with uh, with the IPs. And then, of course, we talked about the Lego Atari 2600, which I was going to get, but we had a major car repair. So Ooh. we had to, yeah, we had to fund. So it. Not only took my extra money, but also maxed out my credit cards. Oh, jeez. So all the money I was doing really good on getting my trip to Iceland paid off. But, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's that. I got a piece of ice in my mouth right now if you hear a crunch. Huh. There we go. But, um, I looked at that and I'm like, man, I don't want to pay 230 but what was it, like 239 bucks? 240 yeah, yeah, for a bunch of pieces of plastic. But then I realized... There's probably a good chunk of that money that goes just for the licensing of the Atari name. Well, possibly. I mean, uh, my uh, James Bond Aston Martin Lego set cost 150 and Yay. I would imagine the license for that would be a lot more, because that's still a going concern, despite the fact that, spoiler, they killed James Bond in the last movie. So, uh, Which means it really is the last movie. Not really, because <laughs> with every new actor, the series gets rebooted, basically. So hmm. I used to subscribe to the theory that James Bond was a code name and all that. But then there, I was shown little inconsistencies of why that's impossible. And like, oh, okay, you get, get yeah. All right. You're fine. All right, so, all right. but uh, hey, by the way, Sean, something oh. I don't think I've ever asked you. Uh oh. What is your favorite cheese? My favorite cheese. That's a good, it depends on the situation, but one that I tend to like quite a lot, Colby. I like Colby. It's not one of my go-tos, but I do like it. And here's the thing. It is hard to find 
Colby out there because now because it's Colby Jack. It's Colby Jack, which is fine. Colby Jack is great, but sometimes you just want the Colby without the Monterey Jack, and it's really mm. hard to find. Yeah, uh, my favorite cheese is probably feta. Feta's nice. But uh, I've been getting into Swiss cheese a lot lately. Uh, I, I can't stand Swiss. Swiss cheese. You know what? Uh. Half of my family doesn't like Swiss. I don't get that. Yeah, Swiss like, cheese and cream cheese. No. Oh, I love cream cheese. Which means, yes, that means I do not like cheesecake. Well, I think we've already determined that. But, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, man. My wife makes a great crab dip that mm-hmm. has cream cheese as one of the main ingredients. That is one time I can tolerate it. Okay. Because I just had some Swiss cheese, and it was so good. So yummy, yum. The only cheese I really don't like are any of the cheap moldy cheeses, like Blue or Roquefort or Gorgonzola. I like uh, Blue. I'm not a fan of Gorgonzola, though. Too tangy. I will not eat that cheese in Italy that's got maggots in it. No. You ever seen this? I did not if hear If you see that. one of those weird one of those weird food shows on TV sometime, oh you'll... Uh, They'll more than likely have an episode on that. So. And speaking of yeah. Italy. So I just did, like cheese. Did you have any cheese when you were in Iceland? No, I okay. did not. Except like the regular kind of cheese you put like on a cheeseburger, like cheddar or something like that. Sure. No, because I remember when I was in high school, there was one of the foreign exchange students we had, mm-hmm. he was in my French class, and he said, what's the deal with your cheese over here? It's so dry. And he said, even the imported cheese is dry. How does that happen? And so, I don't know, I want to, now I'm curious as to what non-dry cheese tastes like. Oh, I had, uh, one of my coworkers gave me a, a, a piece of a seven-year-aged cheddar. Ooh. Oh, God. Now I'm looking, uh, I, 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 now I want some seven-year-aged cheddar. That was like the, one of the tastiest cheeses I've ever had in my life. Why are we talking about cheese? Because I had, just had some cheese. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And I've never asked you, what cheese yeah, do you like? I had a slice of cheddar and, on a chicken sandwich at the beach earlier today. Whenever there's like a, a blow-up discussion somewhere where like people are fighting, whatever, hmm. I'll often interject, boy, I really like cheese just to kind of get things off track. <laughs> and, it, and it works like 75% of the time. By the way, I just want the world to know there is such a thing as American cheese that's actually good cheese. You go to a deli and get American cheese, that's good American cheese. Not those stupid, like, singles that you get at the grocery store. That's I think they can't even legally market that stuff as cheese. If you look at the label, it always sends cheese food product or something. It depends on the cheese. Because there's some stuff that's labeled as American that has no dairy in it. Hmm. It's, like, made from oil, and it is awful. Oh, yeah. I've had it before, and this, the stuff is terrible. But, like, Velveeta slices and craft slices... Uh, all that of that's uh, regular cheese. I love Velveeta. Velveeta. That's nasty. That stuff is great for grilled cheese because it uh. just melts very good. Granted, I prefer Swiss, but uh, you know, my, one of my favorite sandwiches is a slice of tomato with with Swiss grilled cheese. Oh, so yeah, my sister-in-law yeah, uses add, Velveeta. Add a for slice cooking. of tomato to any grilled cheese. No, you'll thank me for that. No, yes, yes. No, I don't want tomato on my grilled cheese. I like my. I, I do. I like it with. Cheese, and that's it. Or maybe, maybe, maybe ham. Okay. Like, I'll have a nice croque monsieur once in a while. Croque monsieur. Oui, right. c'est ça. Oui, oui. Yes, a lot of it. So, Oh, by the way, you- I'm uh, Sean, by the way. And, uh, oh, yeah, and I'm Jim. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I want to open a cheese shop. Finest in the district. Hmm. Explain the logic underlying that conclusion. Well, it's oh, so clean. Here we go. It's certainly uncontaminated by cheese. Monty Python. <laughs> 
You're like Michael Scott. You have to cite all of your comedic references. The Office. So anyway, so what have you been playing? Honestly, what have I been playing? Not Aside from the games we're talking about this episode, not a whole hell of a lot. Honestly, I just haven't really sat down and done any gaming. I, I don't know. My, my life has been so wackily out of focus lately that I'm hardly touching video games at all. Yeah. I haven't been to an arcade in a while. I haven't either. Uh, mainly because I've had some busy weekends and stuff. Uh, probably won't be able to get to one until hmm, mid to late September. Yeah. Which is really bothering me because I have I have a year pass for Underground Retrocade and I'd like to use it. <laughs> Say, Sean. Sean. Do you remember the 21st night of September? <sighs> I've been getting Earth, Wind, and Fire songs stuck in my head lately. I can't get into I've tried. I just can't get into Earth, Wind, and Fire. Let's groove tonight. Da, 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 da. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so you haven't been playing very much then. No, no, not really. I've. What have I been playing? I've been playing Locomotion and Amadar. Amadar and Locomotion. Yeah, that's so, that's what I've been playing. I do have a couple of new seventy eight hundred games that I might have had since we last recorded. I did try those out like the day I got them, but I haven't touched them since. Like uh, uh, Wizard's Dungeon, and I can't even remember what the hell they're what to compare them to because it's been so long. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just so, eh. no, you know what I need? I need some time off. I need like eight weeks off with a full paycheck. Yeah. I could use that too. Then I can actually get some gaming in. Yeah. It was a weird being out of work when I was like at the very early part of the pandemic. I had a lot of money though, because of the unemployment and all everything the government was doing to. Yeah. But I wasn't on it for very long before I found another job. Well, yeah. That's what we all hope. So, So, do we have any addenda and errata? Funny you should mention it, because yes, you brought up one. I did? In preparation for this episode, yes. Why, yes, Sean, I do have some addenda and errata. (gasps) I was listening to uh, one of the uh, Ted Dabney Experience podcast episodes. I don't remember which one. I still haven't listened to that yet. Uh, it's a, I have it downloaded. It's in my podcast collection. I've listened to the whole series so far. And they had one guy from uh, the company that did uh, brought over a lot of Konami games. And um, we pronounced the name of the company Centauri because, you know, Alpha Centauri in, in the night It's really sky, Centauri, but... Well, still. But according to one of the programmers from the company, they pronounce it Century. Yeah, so it's Alpha Century. Or not Century. It's uh, Century. There we go. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I have a uh, erratum. You have an erratum? Yeah, because previous episode, I mentioned how Marmite is illegal in this country. Uh-huh. It's not. It's oh, it not. Isn't. It is not. And I'll tell you how I know. It's because uh, my wife and I, went on vacation. We spent a few days in Los Angeles and uh, then a few days in San Diego. And while we were in LA, we went to the Laurel Canyon, Gen- uh, what is it called? The country store, I think. Uh-huh. That's where all the, the rock stars like went when they lived in Laurel Canyon and all that. Uh, it's basically just a convenience store, really. They had Marmite and Vegemite. Yeah. And I th- I'm thinking, all right, I got to see what the deal is with this stuff. So I bought a jar of Marmite. And I asked the lady, I said, how did you manage to get this stuff? She said, what do you mean? I said, isn't this illegal here? She said, no, no. She said, we get a lot of English people here, though, so we make sure we stock it here. But yeah, I I stand corrected. Marmite is not 
illegal here. It's illegal, I think, in Denmark or somewhere else. Like uh-huh. one of those European countries that you don't always think of first, like Denmark or the Netherlands or something. I don't remember where. But uh, it's probably legal in Belgium, uh, just based on the song Down Under from Men at Work. Marmite's really big in Australia. Buying bread from a man in Brussels. He was six foot four and full of muscles. He's, I said, do you speak my language? He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. Hmm. Yeah, I tried a layer of Marmite once and, oh boy. Yeah. And uh, somebody said, oh, you put too much on it. You should only put a really, really thin layer. So I tried again, a really, really thin layer. Uh-huh. And having said that, if anybody's interested in an almost full <laughs> jar of Marmite, uh, you want to come over to Chicago, pick it up. It's yours free. Otherwise, it'll be floating in Lake Michigan. That's that's probably a good way to get rid of the Asian carp. Oh man, oh, we can't call oh, them no, Asian, no, Asian no, that's carp right. What anymore. do they call now? It's like coty co- or I like I don't that. know. I don't know. They're like, yeah, that's not a good way to describe it. Let's try because something they, else, right? Well, they wanted to. They changed the name because they want to sell it as uh, in, in stores so people can eat it. And from what I understand, it's actually a very delicious fish. Hmm. So yeah. So. Oh, and while I was in Los Angeles. Yeah. My wife and I met up with one of our Patreon sponsors. Oh, and who might that be? We had a nice lunch in Burbank with uh, Daniel Chavez, and uh, that was quite fun. It was quite fun. We had some nice conversation. What was great was we started talking about video games, and I noticed my wife was starting to phase out, so I tried to kind of broaden the subject matter a little, and I apologized to her later. She said, oh, no, it's okay. You, that's what you should have been talking about. I mean, that's how you know each other. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we... Talked about things. He uh, offered a couple of uh, suggestions that we could do that I think I ran past you and I really like. I, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I'm always open to unsolicited advice. I've gotten some pretty good unsolicited advice in the past. For example, that uh, one-off show we did about our experience working in radio, that was uh, an unsolicited suggestion from No Swear Gamer. That's true. And, that and was a, I really liked that idea. He's, he that he a, actually gave a, me a lot of great advice unsolicited. <laughs> Yeah, he, that was a that was one of my favorite uh, off-topic episodes. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, and by the way, Asian carp is now called Kopi. Oh, okay, that's right. Yes, yeah. thank you. So I was close. It was not Koti, is Kopi, hmm. which you know me in seafood, but I might try some more based on well, my. Uh, it's experience. technically not seafood because it's in freshwater. Have I told you to shut up yet? Nope. Okay, shut up. Nope. All right. So, um, so do we have any more Denda and Arata? I don't think so. Wow, we kind of breezed through this intro, didn't we? Ah. Or at least it seems like it. I don't know. Had to pat pat it out with talk about cheese. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad 20 minutes so far, if you ask me. If you don't ask me, I still say it's not a bad 20 minutes so far. So, do we, uh, what do we want to do here next? Uh, We do have a couple of feedbacks, both of which mention at some point the games we're talking about tonight. So, I don't know if we want to start and come back. Or if Let's we just want to hold it. Okay, so we'll hold that Let's off hold till off later. We'll talk yeah, about we'll the that. games first and expose uh, our ignorance of uh, video gaming and stuff. So, yeah. Why, yes. So, uh, excuse me for a moment. Uh, uh, there we go. We haven't had a burp along with Sean in a while. No, and I, we just might because I'm having a Liney's Summer Shandy right now. Brewing Legends since 1867. Hey, Jake, Line and Kugel and company, uh, if you want to sponsor a podcast, uh, we're here. Oh, thinking of which, uh, I'm looking into getting us a, a scene about if a certain business oh. would uh, be willing to sponsor us, and I just got some information about uh, what to charge for sponsorship. Oh, so uh, 
So yeah, so uh, it wouldn't cost very much to the person I'm spot. We would we would be asking, but okay. While you're uh, brokering that, tell them that uh, it might help sweeten the deal if we toss in an almost full jar of Marmite. Ooh, yeah. Hmm. You never know. They might put it on display in their store. Yeah. So, all right. So, which game do we want to talk about first here? Uh, I don't know. Uh, why don't we? Why don't we? You know, what, let's start with Amadar. Amadar, huh? Amadar, yes, sir, Babaruni. Now, just oh, let me pull up my notes here. So, Amadar is a 1981 Konami game, which was released by Stern in the United States. Stern. Stern. What would a Stern video game be like? It'd be like, uh, like a nun. It, it, the, the programmer would be standing over you with a ruler. That's not how you hit the jump button. And then, you know, whack you on the knuckles. That would be a very stern game, I think. No, the nun would whack you in the knuckles just for playing a video game. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, God, I watched, uh, uh, it's a YouTube channel. I can't remember which one it was. It's, oh, Good Bad Films by uh, Joe Blow, whatever. Hmm. And uh, they were talking about the movie Blues Brothers 2000. <laughs> oh, jeez. I have no desire to see that. I never did, but even less now. Although I hear the music's great. But anyway. Yeah, I, I saw it. It's basically they're trying desperately to redo the entire first movie and say, hey, look what we look what we brought back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First of all, the object of the game is to color in all the squares. Hmm. Sounds easy enough. The game, you have a four-way joystick and you have a jump button. And here's how it works. There's three different levels in the game. In the first one, you uh, play as a gorilla and you're picking up coconuts and you're chased by... Uh, headhunters. Hmm. Then after that is followed a bonus round. So what do they do? Try to offer you a job or something? Why, why yes, yes. Huh. Uh, Stern is hiring. They, pro- they probably are. Yeah. But, uh, and then the, uh, the next level is a bonus level. There's a bonus level after every level. Mm-hmm. I'll get into that a little bit more because uh, it has to do with the name of the game. And then every even number level, the player is a paint roller being chased by pigs. Now, as far as how do you color the squares in, in the gorilla levels, uh, you just pick up the coconuts around the outside of one of the squares. There's like a a set uh, screen. It's like just a bunch of rectangles. And you just pick up all the coconuts and it fills in the square. Mm -hmm. The way it works on the even number levels where you play a paint roller, there's a little bit of the line at the bottom of the screen that's painted. And you draw a square. But if you go too far... The paint roller runs out of paint, and the only way to get more paint is to touch a, a square that's been filled in, or to touch the um, pre-painted line at the bottom of the screen. Mm. And that makes that the the even numbered levels up pretty difficult. Oh, I hate those racks. Ugh. Oh yes, the racks. Yes, those are not nice racks. There are two weapons you can you have against the headhunters or, or the uh, the pigs that are chasing you in your paint roller. Okay. I got to say this here. Who the hell, what kind of drugs were they taking at Konami thinking up the enemies for this game? Why would pigs chase a paint roller? Must be some kind of mushroom, I'm guessing. That's what I'm guessing. So anyway, back to the game. The two weapons you have, you have a jump button and you have in the most common ROM of the game, three, uh, you can hit the jump button three times during a round. Uh, in some other ROMs, you can do it four times. I don't remember if this was selectable in the game settings. You know, I can find that out really quick, though. Let's, uh, oh. let's, uh, can we queue up some bup a dup a
Nope, you can't select that in the dip switches. The dip switches, you can do number of lives, but you can do three, four, five, or 255. And bonus lives are 30,000 and 70,000 on the default, 50 and 80 on the next level. So, no, unfortunately. So, okay. So, aren't you glad that I wasted time doing I'm that? I'm so glad. Yeah. Uh, the other enemy you have is if you uh, are able to uh, fill the color in on the four corner squares, then you can uh, run over the enemies and uh, stun them for a while. And you get, uh, you get points for that. And the thing about that, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes they will, the enemies will like fall to the bottom of the yeah. screen. And sometimes they'll like hang from the lines. And I thought, I, I like that. That's a cute uh, little funny touch. Uh, there. Is there any way to determine how that's going to happen? Or is it just kind of random? I think it's just kind of random. They're, they're, That's they're, what I'm yeah, thinking, too. There might be some way of telling that, but I don't know off the top of my head. Now, as I said, the enemies in the gorilla levels is the headhunters, and in the paint roller, it's the pigs. However, there are two different kinds of enemies per level. Well, let me rephrase that. There are two different behaviors. Each level has one enemy that just constantly patrols the outside lines. Yeah. It just goes all the way around the screen. And then the other enemies move in a particular pattern. This is... This would be a game that'd be really easy to get patterns for uh, because of the movements. And again, we'll, I'll get to that in just a moment because it also ties into the bonus route. Well, actually, no, I'll get into that now. Oh, okay. First of all, in the attract mode, if you watch it for a while, it'll show you how movement works in this game uh, as far as the enemies go and in the bonus route. Yes. Basically, with the exception of the one enemy that patrols, every time an enemy reaches an intersection, it has to take the turn. Unlike other games, that makes this one probably fairly easy to patternize. Now, how that works on the bonus round, you'll get a series of sticks. They'll have cross cross beams, I guess. And there'll be like a there'll be like a banana at the bottom. If you can get the banana, you get 5000 bonus points. Now, what happens is your uh player which in the bonus round you play a pig, it'll like go between the lines and you hit the jump button and it'll stop at that line and it'll move exactly like the enemies do in a regular round. It'll just, you know, take whatever, 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 uh, whatever turn it, uh, it'll take a turn at the next inner. It'll always turn at the next cross line. Then if you hit, get the, uh, like I said, if you get the, the bananas, you get 5,000 points. If you don't, well, you don't lose anything. This is an actual real bonus round, not like the bonus rounds in Zook Eeper. Yeah. Now the word Amadar comes from Emidakuji, which is a Japanese classic method of lottery that looks like Ladders. The way it works, and I shared a video with Sean. We'll link that in the show notes. It's a really succinct one. Um, Sean didn't watch it yet. <clears throat> Uh-oh. So what happens is somebody will draw, take a line and draw five sticks. And then they'll draw cross sticks. And then they'll put prizes at the bottom. And then how it works is then you put a piece of paper over the over the middle section where the cross, uh, the cross sticks are. And everybody will choose a... Uh, a stick to start on. And then they remove the paper, revealing the maze, and then they trace the path given you have to turn at every intersection, and then you win whatever prize is at the bottom. Again, I have a video showing this. It was a nice, succinct one. And um, again, the word Amadar comes from Amadakuji, which I think is how you pronounce it. It sounds so, dirty. It does. Scoring. That sounds dirty, too. There's a couple of differences between the American and the Japanese version. For collecting a coconut or painting a segment, you get 10 points, which or 20 in the Japanese version. Filling in a box with a paintbrush. On the paintbrush screens, there's a point value given to each box. 
And uh, if you fill in that box, you'll get the point value base there, which is 100 to 700 points. Killing the enemies in a, in a round, after you fill in the four corners, you will get 100 points for the first, 200 for the second, 400 for the third, 800 for the fourth, 1600 for the next. And if it's in the Japanese version, you can get 3200 points wow. in later levels. Wow, because yeah, in the American version, even if you go beyond that 1600, it still it's only still gets you 1600. 1600. And of course, I mentioned the banana on the inter on uh, the bonus rounds, which is 5,000 points. There was only one official home port of this really? in the United States, huh. and that was on the Atari 2600. It was a Parker Brothers game, right? It was a Parker Brothers game, and it was re-released by uh, Frogo Games as a game called Spider Droid. Sp- All they did was <laughs> they did a graphics hack. Huh. And to be quite honest, if you've played the Atari 2600 version first, you probably won't ever want to try this game, the arcade version of this game. Really? Don't let that stop you. Oh, it's pretty bad. Oh. No bonus rounds. Oh, no man. background music. I love the background music in this game. It's got pretty catchy background music. Yep. And um, it's just blah. Hmm. It's just a blah game. Oh, yeah. There was a there was one other port of this game. It was not in America. It was on the Casio PV-1000. Huh. computer, nice. which now I'm kind of curious. Those were official ones. There were unofficial ports. It was released in Japan in 1983. It was discontinued a year later. Hmm. I kind of want one of these now. <laughs> I say that about every video game. If it's emulated, I'll look for it. But um, that is basically uh, the ins and outs of Amidar. For the time it was released, you were just starting to get out of the uh, typical older arcade well, no, 81 was kind of like the peak of the older arcade uh, aesthetic uh, that this uh, borrows from with like the black background and hmm. all of the action being uh, 8-bit sprites and, you know, maze games and all of that stuff. Yeah. Before you started getting a lot more sophisticated graphics and stuff in the games. So it was like at that peak spot in the arcade. Again, graphics are really simple. To me, the graphics in this game kind of somehow have... Like a Phoenix vibe, in a way. Really? I guess it's maybe just like the use of color in the game. Hmm, maybe the okay, hardware. I guess. The actual sound effects are sparse. Uh, there's one when you jump, and when you pick up a coconut. I do like the sound effect of when your uh, your paint roller is painting a line. And then I do like it when it uh, runs out of paint, if you go too far. That's kind of kind of neat. And the music in this game is pretty catchy not uh, not moon patrol catchy no but it's still pretty catchy and uh the music is pleasing i have to say i think the music mm-hmm. is really pleasing in this one so uh do we have any uh, high scores or do you want to talk about what you think of the well, game what i think of the game i really enjoy it I, I enjoy it quite much actually and um i don't know what else to say and uh, when i first played it it was only fairly recently like during say the era of when you had your galloping ghosts and underground retrocades and all that i never bothered to play it before i'd always known about it but i only in recent years have first played it and um i know it's just cop out but i don't know what else to say other than i really really enjoy it uh i never really paid much attention to the quirkiness of it one thing i do i do want to throw in though is uh Mm -hmm. at least on the machines that i've played you got to be really, really careful with that jump button because that thing is sensitive as AF. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, that's the one thing about the jump button. In the arcade, the enemies jump. Duh. But on the Atari 2600 version, they turn into like a little ghost. Really? And it lasts a lot longer than uh, a jump in the arcade version does. Huh. 
It actually, it turns into like a little black box that goes around the maze on the 2600 version, which is kind of weird. Hmm. I'm not a fan of the 2600 version, but I do like this one. Hmm. I think what it is, yeah, they're trying to give you the illusion that like the whole thing is jumping except for you. and Right. It kind of confuses me at first, but after a mm-hmm. while, I was like, okay, I can kind of get that. To be fair, they could have, well, made it to where you jump, but uh, it's kind of nice to have everything jump. But it's, it, it's uh, different. It's a different mechanic, yeah. The only other game I know of where you can make the enemies jump is Illusions on the ColecoVision, and that <laughs> game sucks. So, <laughs> yeah, I, get a little, I like this game myself. And uh, as I had mentioned before, if you played the uh, 2600 version first, you probably will not ever seek out the arcade. That's how I was. I got curious about four or five years ago what this game was actually like. Yeah. And I played it, and uh, yeah, I rather enjoyed it. I've never seen this in an arcade. Does Galloping Ghost have it? I'm pretty sure they do. I'd be shocked if they didn't. I know Retrocade has it. Retrocade has it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll have to seek it out next time I'm over there. Yeah, I I would seriously be very shocked if uh, Ghost doesn't have it. Uh, Yeah, Galloping Ghost has it. Yeah. Is that Arcade Club, Fun Spot, Galloping Ghost, Grinker's Grand Palace, which, well, which is doesn't close. exist. Hyperspace in Colorado, Parkade in New Jersey, Taverna in Winfield, Missouri, and Retrocade in West Dundee, Illinois. So yep. Illinois has two copies of this game. Eh, eh, eh. At least. There might be some that, that's there might not, be more. that aren't uh, mentioned there. My dream is to go is to find a, some random barn in open the door and find all these arcade games stored in there. Hey, that happened. That's how people get these games nowadays. <laughs> yeah, no Seriously. Kidding. Ever watch videos of uh, game raids, as they call, like to call them sometimes? Uh, one time years ago, uh, Doc Mac uh, over at The Ghost had uh, had some videos on YouTube about that. That was really awesome to see. So, Sean, do we have some, uh, some scores for this? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, according to the Twin Galaxies scoreboard... They show a high score of 3,208,870 performed, or at least certified, June 22nd, 1982 by uh, Scott Karasek. And uh, hey. comparison's sake, that's a little bit better than my personal best, which I think is like 60,000. <laughs> you got 60,000 on this? think actually hold on let me see my, my high was like sixteen thousand. i tried getting the uh the bonuses but i my timing was always off oh yeah and i'm trying to memorize uh like when is a good time to hit the jump button on those and of mm-hmm. course with every new bonus screen it's a different layout oh and i forgot to mention if you take a, a long time the game will automatically select a line for you oh yeah 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 it does I forgot to uh, mention that yes Oh, no, no. My high score in Amadar is 48,390. Wow. And this is like the first time in a long time I recorded my uh, my scores. Yeah, I uh, got I scored that on June 17th of this year. Uh, meanwhile, you got this character named Dwayne Richard, who, according to Orcade, he's the highest one listed there at uh, 312,240, put in there wow. on June 4th, 2000, uh, 2011. If it wasn't for the 5,000-point bonuses, this would not be a very high-scoring game. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking, is especially like Scott and Dwayne, they must have memorized the... Uh, the Yeah, the patterns. The, the patterns, yeah. 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 So, what are you going to rate this game, Sean? I'm going to rate it four out of five continues. And I'm going to join you right there. Ooh. Um, this, is a, this is a fun, cutesy little game. It really but, is, yeah. 
Like I said, don't let the 2600 version put you off. Try this game. It's really, really fun. I liked it. I yeah, I haven't it. played the game in two months, but just you mentioning the music, suddenly it all came back to me. Like, I could... The bonus level music. Oh, man, everything. It's... Yeah, it is catchy. And then when you fill in the four quarters... Yep. Yeah, it's a fun, I, this is a fun, cute little game. Uh, I'm still kind of curious as to how they got the uh, the paint roller and the pigs, because... At least the gorilla and the headhunters, that kind of makes a little sense. Yeah, but, you can kind of, yeah. yeah. It's almost so. like a King Kong and Skull Island kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, are we ready to move on then to locomotion? Actually, no. Before we do that, we should uh, have a message from our underwriter for this episode. Here's proof you can't beat our prices at Salozzi Edelson Chevrolet. Only $48.99 buys us new economical Chevette. Sixty-one eighty-nine buys this new Cavalier. Over 1,500 cars and trucks are ready for immediate delivery. Best of all, whether you buy or lease a Chevrolet car or truck, we guarantee you can't beat our deal anywhere, or we'll give you back the difference in cash. At Salozzi Edelson Chevrolet in Elmhurst at York and Roosevelt Roads, where you, you always, always save more money. So thank you, Salozzi and uh, Edelson, for uh, helping out a local grassroots podcast here. A podcast that uh, is going to be talking about another Konami game, Locomotion. Oh, you already said it's Locomotion. Loco means crazy. That's oh, wacky. Oh, that might be an interesting little <laughs> coincidence there. Oh, but Locomotion was released in 1982. Interestingly, in Japan, it was uh, licensed to Sega for distribution, and in Japan, it was called Gotang Gotang. G-U-T-T-A-N-G, G-U-T-T-O-N, or is it G-O-T-T-O-N-G? Fatang, fatang. I don't know. That must be some kind of automatopoeia, because as far as I know, Japanese words do not end with Gs. They end with vowel sounds or Ns. So, I don't know. Anybody speak Japanese can confirm this. I looked that phrase up in Google Translate, and uh, it thinks it's Danish or something. So, I don't know. <laughs> and, of course, in America, North America, the game was licensed to Century. Oops, uh, no, Century. Century for distribution. Gonna tell you all a little about the control panel first, because I, I find it fascinating. I want to give a nice visual description. The control panel has a red ball top ambidextrous four way joystick right there in the middle or toward the middle. And there are red buttons labeled speed on either side of the joystick. On the right side of the panel, you got your start buttons. There's a red one for one player, a white one for two players. As for how you play the game, well, you know those little slide puzzles uh, where you slide the pieces around and you yes. eventually form a nice picture? It's kind of like that. The gameplay is on a grid of tiles, and one of the tiles is missing, so you can slide things around. And uh, basically, that slide puzzle is a map with a train locomotive traveling along it, and each tile is part of a path. And you got to manipulate those tiles so that they make a path for the train to follow. Along the perimeter of the grid of tiles is a series of train stations. It doesn't They're not obviously train stations. They just kind of look like off-ramps that you go to. And um, what you want to do is pick up the passengers at all of the stations that have passengers, and the passengers are represented by a pair of smiley faces. Occasionally, there's going to be a bonus countdown popping up 
at one of the train stations. And if you happen to go to that train station and pass through it while the bonus countdown is still there, you will get however many bonus points are shown on that countdown. As you progress through the game, there are going to be some enemies called crazy trains. And honestly, it's just a locomotive. I don't know why they call them trains. They're just one car. By definition, I think a train has to have at least two cars. A locomotive itself does not a train make. Yes, uh, a train is basically the stuff that's pulled behind the locomotive. They have uh, road trains in Australia in the outback, which is just basically a truck pulling multiple trailers. Yeah, you got a locomotive, you don't have a train. You got a locomotive and a car, you got a train. But yeah, it's called the enemy train. The enemy locomotive is called a crazy train. I wonder if that's uh, any kind of relation to the locomotion because the way the way that locomotion shut up the way that (laughs) locomotion is spelled on the marquee is it's broken up into two words loco on top motion on the bottom so ooh, there's your crazy motion right there but you want to avoid that crazy train because you'll lose a life if you collide with it and uh, by the way if you uh do well enough which i so far have not you will be on a rack that has two or more cra- I, th- I don't know if it goes beyond two but uh, let's just say multiple crazy trains and what's really cool about that is they can collide into each other and then they disappear and as far as i know they don't regenerate so that could be one strategy is manipulating the tiles around to make the crazy trains collide into each other and the thing is uh, speaking of these tiles Some of these tiles have dead ends marked with X's. You do not want your locomotive to travel onto one of those, or else the locomotive is going to crash and you lose a life. Sometimes when the bonus timer counts down and reaches zero, the entire train station disappears and is replaced with a wall. And if you try to go through it, of course, you lose a life. Also, another way to lose a life, you can manipulate the tiles so that you form a loop. And if you are in that loop and you stay in that loop for too long, a little zappy thing, it looks kind of like a throwing star or something, just appears. It's called a loop sweeper. You want to avoid the loop sweeper. So get yourself out of the loop, manipulate the tiles as as best as you can to get out of there, and uh, just do not let the loop loop sweep, do not let the loop sweeper get you. Oh, and uh, by the way, starting with the seventh rack... There will periodically be, among the tiles, a tile with a bunch of different paths on it. I'm going to confess here, I don't know if it's a random path or if you actually get to pick the path. Because (laughs) I don't play well enough to get that far in the game. (laughs) Oh, mercy. So if anybody knows, hey, piefactory at fab4it.com or reach us on the social medias. There's you got, uh, yeah. So, anywho, this is a game in which you score points. So, how do you score points? Well, quite simply, you score 10 points simply by crossing one of the tiles. Even if you're in a loop and you keep crossing the same tiles, you still get 10 points for each tile that you cross. It's Think of it as a survival point, I guess. When you pick up passengers, you get 100 points. If you happen to end up on one of those little random direction switchy tiles, you get 150 points. If you pick up all of the passengers, which is what you want to do to clear the rack, you get a thousand point bonus. Ah, but if you clear the rack without any bonus timers counting down to zero, uh, then you get a special 5,000 point bonus. Ho ho. 
And really, I believe that's the game right there in a nutshell. Jimmy G, have you anything to add? It's an interesting little uh, puzzle game. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I know you're going to talk about home ports for this. In a oh, moment, am I? It's not a bad game. Uh, you really got to be in the mood for this one, though, because the levels can take a while sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah. Oh, speaking of bad. which, there is a way to make the level go by faster. Oh? You hit the speed button. You hold down the speed button. It'll accelerate really? your locomotive. I didn't know there was a speed button. Yeah. Huh, I will have to try that. I'll have to uh, set that up. Yeah, and the thing is, just like Amadar, this game is patternable, at least to an extent. Uh, I do believe at least the few racks I was able to get, I'd get the same pattern every single time. That if you can memorize how to swap the tiles around and things, you can pretty much just keep your finger on that speed button the whole time and finish nice and soon. Ah, so okay. The only thing is you have to be careful, and if you want to decelerate, that you decelerate, at the, that you let go of the button at a proper time, because when you let go of it, you don't immediately go back to your normal speed. You actually decelerate a little bit. Uh-huh. One thing I do like about this game is that you can you can move the uh, the tile your train is on while the train is on it. Yeah, and that's a very good strategy too. Yeah, uh, especially if you don't if you're looking for a special uh, certain track piece and uh, it's not uh, showing up, uh, that can uh, save you a little uh, little hassle, a little trouble. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh, I'm confirming that the uh, spelling of the second Japanese word is G O T T O N G. Okay. So yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of which. There was also a bootleg version of this game oh? that's called Kotokotu Kotong, C-O-T-T-O-N-G. Uh-huh. It's basically the same game, but some of the graphics are a little bit uh, uh, spiced up a little bit. For example, mm-hmm. like instead of having two smiley faces for passengers, they actually make an effort to make them look human. Uh-huh. Like human body figure. Oh, neat. The stations on the side of the screen, it's mm-hmm. one person sitting in the chair. And uh, the top and the bottom, it's like two people kind of from weight from the waist up. And I don't know why, but the rack indicator on the top right of the screen is a series of coffee cups. Huh. I, I don't know why. They, okay. Well, except in the bootleg version, they use a smiley face for the rack indicator. Uh, because you're a commuter and you need your morning Joe? I didn't have morning Joe when I commuted by train to work. Oh, what'd you have? Morning Steve? Morning Steve. Morning Steve, yeah. And uh, by the way, they also indicate how many lives you have left by uh, graphics of inverted by 90 degrees counterclockwise mm-hmm. locomotives, or as people in Europe would say, anticlockwise. Anticlockwise. Yeah, I like my anticlockwise. She's always she's a lady. She's a sweet lady. Yeah. Uh. Yep. But yeah, that that is a locomotion. Uh, let me talk about the uh, home ports. By yes, the way, yes, please do. And actually, before even that, I'm going to talk about the first time I ever saw this game. Uh-huh. I never even heard of Locomotion until 2006 at Midwest Gaming Classic. Let me guess why. Go ahead. Because uh, we were invited to a private showing of some uh, prototypes, and uh, the person who had the private showing had the Atari 2600 uh, prototype for it. That's exactly why. I never heard of the game before, and then uh, sometime after I got back home, I looked it up on MAME, and... Uh, I really thought it was a unique concept. I thought it was pretty cool. And so that brings me into the home ports. Yeah, there was a M-Network home port of Locomotion for the 2600 that was never released. However, I do believe the Intellivision port was released. I'm pretty sure it was. In fact, you know what? I got a way to confirm that. Hold on a second. 
Oh. Uh, bu- 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 yeah, it looks like it was. Nice. Looks like it was released. So. Yeah, I saw the box artwork where it says, is this one of these things they claim plays just like the arcade game? Probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, it was also ported to the Tommy Tudor computer, and um, that's a really good version, too. You know what? I really want to see one of those in action because it looks like the arcade game ports they had for that were pretty good. Yeah. Hey, maybe we'll see one at that thing we're going to uh, in a couple of weeks. Oh, you mean the Vintage Computer Festival? Yes. Yeah, I literally could not think of the name of it, but yeah. I love that show so much. Hey, if anybody's going to be there and wants an almost full jar of Marmite, hit me up. (laughs) But uh, Locomotion was also ported to the Game Boy as part of Konami GB Collection Volume 2 and Game Boy Color as part of Konami GB Collection Volume 3. And the Sword M5 computer, which was released only in Japan. And um, because it was in Japan, Locomotion was ported to that under the name Gotong Gotong. And apparently the uh, Sword M5, I've never heard of that thing until researching for this episode. I think I may have heard of that, but I don't, again, know nothing about it. Yeah, I think apparently it was supposed to be like a competitor to the Commodore VIC-20 and maybe the Atari 8-bits. And also, the one that was most intriguing for me was that there was also a Mattel handheld LCD version of uh, Locomotion sold under the name Gotong Gotong, I think mainly in Europe and Japan. And uh, I'm I'm thinking, okay, this, this can't be the same thing. It is. It is. I looked it up. I Googled it. And I saw the box artwork. And it said Mm -hmm. Gotong Gotong on it. And underneath it, it said Locomotion. And the description talks about picking up passengers and things. So it's like, okay, yeah, this is the same freaking game. And uh, it's got a clock built into it, too. So, In fact, if you look at the manual for that thing, the first thing it tells you is how to set the time. There is one other thing about this game in regards to home ports. Yeah. Uh, Activision kind of ripped it off. Really? There is uh, an Intellivision game made by Mattel, or made by Mattel, made by Activision, called Happy Trails. Which oh, is kind yeah. of the same kind of the same game. Now, to be fair, I've never played Happy Trails, so I couldn't confirm. But it uses the same tile sliding, um, right? Yeah, mechanic as uh, as Locomotion does. Oh, and it was programmed by Carol Shaw. Uh huh. Who programmed? You don't have a guess. Carol Shaw. I know that she programmed. So I know that name. River Raid. Familiar. That's right. Yes. River Raid. Yes. That is a she, yes. right? That is a she. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, sometimes there are guys named Carol, like Carol Spinney. Carol O'Connor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, Happy Trails. Lurfa Corp? Yeah. Something that I really dig. Uh, really, I should start paying more attention to attract mode screens. Uh-huh. Because something that I liked is uh, on the insert coin screen, it said something like, insert coins and have a nice ride. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's kind of cute. <laughs> Let's Uncle Pooh. Let's Uncle Pooh. Oh, did you mention the uh, like every after every second round the uh, intermission? Oh, the we go through a tunnel. Yeah, that was kind of neat. That, that's neat. Uh, it's very I primitive, mean, it's, but it's neat. Yeah, very primitive, but it was still kind of a neat little touch. Yeah, nice little transition there. It's a good way to mark your place and yep. from when you you're keeping track. I wonder of where if that uh, if that changes after so many levels because. Here's a shocker. I didn't put cheats on in any of the games we tried You're this You're kidding. I'm w- not kidding. I was thinking of doing that myself just to see what the rest of the game was going to be like, but I figured, nah, Jim will do that. Nope, I didn't. <laughs> I uh, I wanted to play these games. Uh, Man, I suck at this game. <laughs> oh, God, I do too. 
Did we do high scores for this one yet? Uh, no, we didn't. Uh, I guarantee you, I'm not one of them. Oh, me neither. But, me uh, neither. Twin Galaxies is showing Bud Wellington scoring 134,880, and that was submitted to Twin Galaxies on January 18th, 1983. That is the only score listed, at least for the arcade version of Locomotion, on Twin hmm. Galaxies. Oh, I should have checked for Gotong Gotong, too, but oh well. We'll do that next time we talk about this game. Oh, okay, so yeah. never. And uh, it's not even listed on Orcade.com, so nobody oh, who tracks their games on that site has it. Huh. Which means even Galloping Ghost doesn't have locomotion. And the thing is, it was a very rare cabinet. It's hard to find. Not many, not, not many exist. I wonder if any do exist. I'm sure it exists somewhere. But it scored something like 9 out of 10 on the rarity scale, I think, on... Uh, oh, what the heck is that uh, site? Uh, oh, uh, the Kalov. Kalov, yeah. Uh, I just checking uh, Galloping Ghosts' uh, website, and they don't have it listed. Yeah, well, yeah, one, they're very good at uh, keeping track of their games on Orcade.com, especially because Galloping Ghost now owns that site. Well, it looks like they're doing a pretty good version of keeping track of it on their uh, actual website too, because they're up to yeah. eight hundred and ninety games. Wow. Yeah. Does they that include the a... pinball games too? Or oh, that's a good question. There's a way I don't think they were out. up that far. I still haven't been nope, to their pinball nope. place. It's because uh, I was looking because I know they have the Twilight Zone pinball and it's not listed on here. Huh. Well, yeah, actually, they're up to 892 now. Oh, so they're a little bit behind. They're a little bit behind, or they dro- or they bad. just didn't, or they skipped a couple for some reason. Because yeah, you know they what? just unveiled 892. That's still insane. Yeah. And what's even more insane is I've heard of a good number of these. Which makes me really think, which one of these have I actually played that I don't remember? Yeah. Oh, there's a game we need to talk about at some point. Rock and Rope. Oh, man, I hate that game. I like that game. Uh, so Anyway, bringing things back, yes. So, uh, what'd you go rate this thing? I'm going to rate also 4 out of 5 continues in this one. It's a unique concept, and what other game operates like that? True. I like the sound effects. I mean, the sound... Mm-hmm. It's oh, I t- love, the, I love the, the train whistle. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't oh, that's take fun. much to do a, an 8-bit synthesized train. It's mostly, like, right. white noise. Right, but the train whistle, I, like, I, I love that sound effect. That's, a, that's a, cool. one of my yeah. favorite uh, arcade sound effects. Right, right up there with the Xevious Shield shots. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, I'm going to rate this a 3. And here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. Uh, because until we started talking about this, I didn't know there was a speed button. <laughs> I'm sure that'll put it up as a four, but since I haven't uh, played it with using a speed button, I can't rate it more than a three. You know, I'll tell you this, though. I was watching a YouTube video of somebody like doing a high score run on this, uh-huh. and I don't think this person used the speed button at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. But man, whoever was doing it, the tiles were sliding around like freaking crazy. Yeah. And yeah, and uh, this person was racking up every single bonus. You know, with the way that this game works, it has kind of a Tetris feel to it. I I can kind of dig that, yeah. Yeah, the way you're moving pieces around and... Uh, the way my voice suddenly gets higher and... Yeah. Now I'm going there with my wife. Looking for a chair. Yeah, that's that. a ticket. So, okay, well, almost of all four, but we uh, had one of those not too long ago when we talked about episode, or when we were on episode 129 with our uh, games related to Dig Dug. 
Mm-hmm. We both rated all of those a four. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, should we talk about what the theme is for this, or should we hold off? Or uh, We did not talk about the theme, because I don't quite know what it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, the theme is Konami games in which you get a chance to get a 5,000-point bonus after each rack. And we can uh, also make a secondary theme of patternable Konami games in which you can score 5,000 points after each rack. I just have in my notes, Konami Conundrum. Konami Conundrum, ooh. I like that phrase, actually. That'd be a good band <laughs> name if you want to put together ooh. a bunch of people to perform at, say, Midwest Gaming yeah. Classic or something. Ooh. The Konami Conundrum. Konami Conundrum. So do we want to take a little dive into some of the emails that we got? Yeah, yeah, let's uh, put our little feedback jingle in here. F-E-E-D-B-A-C Feedback 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 So I'll, uh, I'll go first with, uh... Let's see, this email actually has his real name on it. Oh, boy. Oh, Plaid Mouse, Plaid Mouse. Yes. So I'll go, I'll go ahead and read plaid this mouse, one. Plaid Mouse, do do P-L-A-D-M-O-U-S, Plaid Mouse, do 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 Plaid Mouse, so, Somebody record dear, that for us. So, <clears throat> dear Jimmy G and Sean, hello once again. It was such a thrill to have my first email that you read on the show. Aww. Episode 131, to be exact. We were right. It's 132 now. Ha ha. Yep. Thank I was you, pleasantly Plaid surprised Mouse. that I was the only one that offered feedback for that show. Anyway, here I am again to offer my thoughts on the next set of games for episode 132, Amadar and Locomotion. Oh, and as an aside, uh, as I said, mentioned earlier, I was listening to old episode, or maybe I didn't mention it. Mention to I me. I was listening to old episodes of uh, Pie Factory, and uh, we also accept audio submissions if you want want to put one in. Uh-huh. So don't uh, don't be shy. Don't be shy like me. So anyway, <clears throat> continuing with the email, mm. Amadar is such a simple yet very fun and challenging game. I like the variety of the characters going around the playing field: apes, pigs, paint rollers, etc. As an aside, um, I do think that the pigs were kind of cute in the game. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I have to agree but, with that. Yeah. So uh, though you probably already covered this in the episode, I would like to share that. Amadar is based off the Japanese gambling slash decision game Amadakuji. Uh, oh, he has the actual pronunciation 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 here. Amadakuji, which is what I'll say I which syllable to stress though. So I do have an issue with that. So it's uh oh. What you probably haven't talked about yet is that Japanese children and adults you will use Amadakuji and Jenkinpon Jenkinpon Jerkinporn, which is uh, rock paper scissors <laughs> to make important decisions. How do I know this? Because I lived in Japan for nearly six years. Oh, wow. Oh, I witnessed wow. it with my own eyes. My favorite memory of this was going to a big PTA meeting where I was surrounded by Japanese housewives using rock, paper, scissors to decide, to decide who would do what for the school year. <laughs> that would make PTA meetings in the United States so much more uh, more enjoyable, I think. And since I was representing my family, I had to partake. It was one of the most pleasantly weird experiences of my <laughs> life. I ended up having to edit the newsletter, which was good Japanese practice. Oh, boy. Uh, good Japanese practice. Not oh a boy. good Japanese practice. But it probably, <laughs> it probably was is, that, too, actually. Though. Yeah. Anyway, I A lot digress. of good practices over there. Here is a picture of my top score on Amador. Yep, 11,400 in first place. I give Amador three out of five continues. It's a good, solid game. Not one of my all-time favorites, but a good, solid game. I agree with the good, solid game part, but I, as we mentioned, I gave it a four out of five. So let's continue on with locomotion. Okay. Yes, let's. let's. So this is another fun puzzle game. That's right. These are kind of both puzzle games in a way, aren't they? In a way, yeah. Yeah, very uh, much so, actually. Amadar less so, but yeah. So this is another fun puzzle game. It's a bit trickier as you have to move the piece of the track puzzle around 
while dealing with a moving locomotive. It reminds me of the slide puzzles I enjoyed so much as a child, uh, when video games weren't always available at the drop of a hat. I think this one is more challenging than Amadar. See my scores below for reference. Locomotion also gets 3 out of 5 continues. Another good solid game. My guess for the theme is that both of these are puzzle games that deal with tracks. Good guess. I hadn't thought about that. I haven't thought about that either. (laughs) So, uh, let's see here. His uh, top score, uh, Locomotion, is 92.50. Right before we started recording, I managed to eke out 90. 92.80. Yeah, so he didn't even get to, uh, assuming using um, default settings, he didn't even get a bonus life yet. Because they give you a bonus life at 10,000 and Uh 20,000. And I found out the hard way this time, you don't get one at 30,000. So it's not every 10,000. Oh, and as far as the slide puzzle thing goes, years back, uh, when I was working uh, selling computers for Staples, uh, we would ever, every now and then get invited to, like, uh, manufacturer, like, little, I don't know, sh- uh, demonstrations or whatever. And one time I actually got to go to uh, the Microsoft office in Chicago. It's in the Ruben R. Donnelly building. At least it was back then. And uh, we got, like, a bag of goodies. Uh, one thing they gave us was, for attending the thing, we got a choice of either Windows NT 4.0, the server, or a copy of uh, Office 97. I chose Office 97 because I didn't think I would be have any use for server. But, you know, who would? But uh, Bag of Goodies had a bunch of other things in it, and one of them was a little slide puzzle with a picture of Microsoft Visual Studio on it. And so that was hmm. kind of a neat little thing. I got it here somewhere still. So that was kind of cool. I like those little slide puzzles. Those are fun. Oh, yeah. Sometime in the late 80s or early 90s, my mom was out and about. She found a what said official Beatles fan club slide puzzle never opened. Uh-huh. It was still in the wrap. Found out later the official Beatles fan club never had a slide puzzle. Oh, really? So it was just something somebody made up. As long as we're going on this kick, one thing I remember in the late 70s, early 80s, the Illinois Tollway has these things called oases, which is just a fancy name for service area. And it was like a bridge over the uh, the tollway, and then all the restaurants were there. And they did it that way, so they didn't have to build separate buildings. I loved when we would drive under those things and seeing the drink fountains at night, because they kind of glowed. Oh, yeah. And it was when you would go into one of them, it was, like, awesome to sit and eat, yes. like, right over the interstate. Uh, but uh, they used to have, like, a Howard Johnson's restaurants in them. Now they're just like a food court. But they would have these vending machines with, like, little... Like wire puzzles, little plastic puzzles, and you could huh. you could get for like fifty cents, like a wire puzzle or even one of these slide puzzles or something. And I always loved looking at that. And they're like, "Dad, can I get one of these?" No, we gotta go. So. Oh, dude, you remember some time ago, one of the oases closed, oases whatever closed down. Yes, yes they cl- it's uh, just north of O'Hare Airport. They closed it down so that they can build an interchange for the new O'Hare Airport West Bypass tollway. Yeah, there was a dude who chained himself to the door there because he didn't really? want it torn down because he said he was conceived in the parking lot there. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and I was on my way to Underground Retrocade when that story was out, so I was going to stop there and like maybe buy him a drink or something. <laughs> here, here, you want you want some lemonade? But no, he wasn't there by the time I got there. <laughs> Apparently, they stopped there after a Phil Collins concert. Oh, wow. That's neat. I don't know about the conceiving part, but still. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, yeah. Sorry about that, uh, Plaid Mouse. Uh, attention back to you now. So, he continues. I realized that I didn't give last episode's games any ratings, so here you go. Snake Pit is 3 of 5 continues, and Wacko is 4 of 5 continues. Really love the animation with this one and how it starts off a bit easier than Snake Pit. Oh, totally agree on that. Thanks again so much, guys. Jimmy G and Sean, I'll be glad to have a root beer with you two anytime. Oh, I love root beer. Did we talk about root beer? 
I don't know. Yeah, we might. We might have. We might have. And as I like to say, I don't remember even waking up this morning. So yeah. that is from our friend Plaid Mouse. Thank you, Plaid Mouse. He signs off your friend Plaid Mouse. Aw. So, thank you, Plaid Mouse. So thank you. I have a friend. Aw. So we have another email, though, don't we? Oh, yeah. It's from uh, Eugenio. We haven't heard from him for a while, um, so let's uh, address what he says. Uh, he says, I hope all is well in your neck of the woods. It's been a while since I sent you guys feedback. Life has been busy, but I've been well. Good to hear. Good to hear. Getting some work done at the house also. Getting new laundry room cabinets done because the cabinets that were here got infested with termites. Tried treating the material they were made of, but that did not work. So I had them removed and waiting for... And I'm waiting for the new ones to get installed. What a pita, P-I-T-A, that is. Anyhow, let me get to my feedback on the games, dot, dot, dot. Three Stooges. What? Yeah, this is how long it's been since we heard from you, Eugenio. <laughs> Until your podcast episode, I never heard of this game. Oh, which tells me he never watched what's happening now. Uh, Eugenio says, I am, of course, familiar with the Three Stooges and their antics. The game's use of a movie plot is cool, though. From what I could read and see, the game is a mixed bag. I was surprised to learn there are several home ports, Apple II, NES, Game Boy Advance, PlayStation, as the game had a mixed reception. The game does look good, and the Stooges look like one would expect, so I'm curious to give this one a try myself. After all, these are the three Stooges. All right, I'm going to stop here for a sec. Those ports that Eugenio mentions, are they actually the arcade game, or... Is it the other Three Stooges game? I think it's the other the other Three Stooges, which I game really enjoyed a lot. Like the, I played it on both Commodore sixty four and Amiga. Yeah, I've never played that one. I think I mentioned the Angry Video Game Nerd did an episode of the uh, the NES port of the game, so I, I don't have any uh, experience with it at all. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, let's get back to you, Hinio. Uh, he he talks about Splat next. He says this is another game I was not familiar with. Never seen the arcade game, nor had I heard of it before. Looks like this game was programmed by the same person who brought us Joust. This game reminds me of Food Fight, given you're throwing food at the other characters in the playing field or the monsters that show up. The game does look funny, particularly since the characters you control walk around with open arms. Not sure this is as much fun as Food Fight, but I'll have to check it out on Midway Arcade Treasures on either my PS2 or my Xbox. Uh, Editorializing from Sean here, um, I don't think it's as much fun as Food Fight myself. <laughs> Back to uh, you, Henio, Mr. Driller. Oh, dude, uh, I don't remember if I mentioned hmm. this before, but uh, Underground Retrocade has Mr. Driller 2 now. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I played that for a while, and uh, I think I have the second highest Retrocade score there, at least the last time I was there. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Eugenio says about Mr. Driller, Ah, this one I'm familiar with and have played. This game seems to mix gameplay elements of digging games like Dig Dug and Mr. Do with a puzzle game like Columns. Yep, oh yeah, yeah. To be honest, I never played the arcade version of this game, but rather the Dreamcast port. Near as I can tell, the Dreamcast port is as good as the arcade original. Um, given my limited exposure to Dreamcast games, by the way, uh, I think I, I, that doesn't surprise me hearing that from you, Henio. I have very limited experience with the Dreamcast myself. Getting back to you, Henio, I like the colorful look of this game and the lively music on it. The gameplay is simple and fun. Though everything is fast-paced, there is strategy in how the blocks are destroyed as Mr. Driller drills his way down the many-colored blocks. 
Having to avoid blocks as they fall down is an important thing, too, to not lose a life. In any case, this is a game I enjoy. Next game that Eugenio brings us is Dig Dug 2. He says, Sometimes games get sequels that seem unnecessary, and this Uh is an example of that. Dig Dug 2 keeps all the same characters as the original Dig Dug, but the setting and gameplay is so different that it completely misses the charm that made Dig Dug so fun. I've seen this game at retro events, but I've never tried to play it there. I played this for the first time on my PSP uh, via Namco Museum. I had a hard time figuring out what to do at the beginning, but after watching some videos, I saw what the strategy was for this game. I ended up drowning Dig Dug quite a few times until I finally got the hang of it. The game looks great, sounds good, and even has music that is faithful to that of the original arcade game. Unfortunately, it doesn't hook me like the original game did. Understandable. I know there's a port to the NES, but I don't own it. It looks like it is well done, though. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, again, to me, it's... Yeah, he's right that it's unnecessary, unneeded. Yeah. And it did Namco's thing about wanting to make their sequels way different than the originals. Yep. But, uh, I don't know. If you took Dig Dug out of the game, it'd still be a pretty fun game. Yeah, it's like that. It's like, uh, do, what is it, Do Run Run? Yes. That, that we compared it to before? Yeah, and I, I yes. have to agree with that comparison. Now, going on to Eugenio's comments on Pong, he says, okay, how long do I have? <laughs> I can say so much about Pong. I first played a version of Pong at one of my cousin's houses. Their dad had gotten the Sears Pong machine, and I can tell you that everyone got hooked on this game immediately. We agreed as to who would go next, and hours went by with many of us playing. Mm-hmm. The adults also got hooked, but they left us to play so they could talk their adult stuff. <laughs> yeah, they probably went. They probably went to the basement to play cards. That's the game that adults played. It was called Cards, from my memories. <laughs> um, I'm guessing that if it, were, if it was the 70s, oh, the men they went to the basement to play cards. If it was before the 70s, then the women were playing Canasta and the men were playing Pinochle. <laughs> Eugenio, I apologize for going off on that tangent. I will get back to what you have to say, which is, I dreaded hearing, we have to go. <laughs> Been there, dude. Been there with Atari 2600 and Space Invaders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I was not aware of the arcade original back then, and it wasn't until years later that I learned that Pong had first been an arcade game made by Atari. Back then, I always thought it was an original game that had been made for playing at home. I think what made the game so much fun to play was that it was simple, but it could be Mm -hmm. very competitive. After all, who doesn't want to brag that they outdid their older cousin on a video game? (laughs) Pong has had many variations made through the years, which shows just how even its simple gameplay can be so much fun. Atari, of course, did this with games like Video Olympics, a.k.a. Pong Sports on the Sears Video Arcade, and even a version for the Jaguar, Plasma Pong, as an Easter egg in Defender 2000. I did not know about that. There's even a pretty good modernized version of the game for the PS1 that keeps all the game elements but uses 3D graphics. Heck, there's even a real table version of Pong that I've seen at retro events. That one looks really cool, though it's not as great to play. Yeah, a lot of people say that about that table thing. Mm-hmm. Like they like the responsiveness on it. Do you have anything to uh, add? No, I know. I'm all I'm going to say is yeah that that tabletop pong thing works surprisingly well. I it's it's really cool. I have a feeling though that you spend three thousand dollars on that, it's it's going to turn into 
buyer's remorse because it's going to be really cool at first, but then you're going to be like, eh, it's just a coffee table. That's my thought. I, I might, I might be wrong, but, but going back to Eugenio, who's going to talk about Wacko, he says, here's another game I have not played, though I do want to give it a spin. The game looks rather funny with the way the characters are drawn. Everything is cartoonish in appearance, which adds to the game's charm. This looks to be a bit crazy in terms of gameplay as the enemies move around rather fast. The arcade original was a bit unique because it combined trackball and joystick controls. The trackball was used to move the player character around and the joystick for firing. I have this game for my PS2 uh, via Midway Arcade Treasures 2, so I have no reason to not have played it other than that I didn't recognize the game's name. I'd have to guess that on the PS2, the two joysticks are used to play. I'll have to check if the PS2 trackball can be used to be able to play it like the arcade original. By the way, Jimmy G, you know what I just learned? What did you just learn? That there's a PS2 trackball. I just learned that too. <laughs> oh man, uh, let's. Uh, his comments on uh, Snake Pit, however, he says, I've never heard of, seen, or played this game. I had to watch some videos to see what this was all about. I'd say this is interesting. Yep. Not sure how much fun it would be to play this game. Looks like using a whip to kill snakes and other creatures is rather imprecise. Mm -hmm. Like Wacko, this game also uses a combination of trackball and joystick to control the main character, one Outback Jack. Trackball to move Jack around the joystick to... S that sounds dirty. Mm. You don't know Jack. To smack the snakes and other creatures with the whip. I'll say that I like how the game looks, but what I like even more is the music. Not sure I'll ever yeah. get to try this one. Yeah, I like the music, too. Did uh, the, the ghost has Snake Pit, right? They It's listed on their site, but like I said in the previous episode, I could not play it when it was there because it was uh, not in service, unfortunately. Oh, that's right. Okay. And I hope I get to play it again sometime, though, because I, 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 I really liked playing it in emulation. I would love to, uh, I would love to play it on a real machine sometime. Uh, one game I hardly ever played on um, via emulation was the one that Eugenio's talking about next, and that's Amadar. He says, I first saw Amadar at the arcade in my hometown in Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. It was an older cousin who introduced me to the game, and I was quite curious about it. After she played a couple of rounds, I gave it a spin, and I learned that what looked relatively simple was anything but. It took several quarters for me to get a handle on the game. Something that I found cool was that the main character and the enemies changed between the odd and even-numbered levels. Yeah, you know what? Thinking of which, that's not something you see all the time. You no. might see the enemies change between levels, but not the main character. Yeah, I, th I think the closest I've seen is one of the um, Gottlieb slash Milestar games, that you that one of their Laserdisc games, I think, you like between rounds you switch. I th I don't know if it's the character that switches or your vehicle that switches. I don't remember. Well, Mach 3 uh, doesn't switch, but you have a choice of an overhead mission or a behind-the-airplane uh, mission. Right. I wonder if that's maybe what you're thinking of. Might be. I don't know. But there's something that happens mid-game that you actually switch something. I don't know. I don't know. I'll get back to that another time. But anyway, uh, Eugenio says, uh, a monkey on the odd levels and a paint roller on the even levels for the main character and headhunters and pigs for enemies in the odd and even levels, respectively. Also, the player character does not behave the same on either level. The monkey can move around no problem, but the paint roller runs out of paint if it moves too far from already colored squares on the grid. 
that makes the even levels more difficult to complete. Um, yeah, Eugenio, I'm going to say more annoying to complete. <laughs> the only home version of this game that I know exists is the 2600 port, which is just an okay version of the game. The 2600 port is very slow and has none of the music from the arcade. I'm actually surprised none of the homebrew developers have either made a better version for the 2600 or made a version for other consoles. I would like to see a more uh, a more faithful uh, edition of Aminar yeah, uh, for a home console. I think uh, I th- if anyone would do it, it would be like uh, Team Pixel Boy or Collector Vision or something. Oh, Collector Vision probably do it. They yeah yeah if they were going to do it for ColecoVision, that would be amazing. Yep. Uh, also, I'd love to see Champ Games take a stab at it. Oh, the, oh yeah, they would really knock it out of the park on yeah. the 2600. Yeah, and I don't want to give Bob DiCrescenzo any, any more work. So. Yeah, no kidding. I, <laughs> I just not, just a few minutes ago, I went over all of the uh, all the games he's made for the uh, for the 7800. It's like, man, we got other a, people working on 7800 stuff now. He can take a break. <laughs> yeah, does he have a job? <laughs> yeah, that was my thought. <laughs> But let's go on to the last game that uh, Eugenio talks about, and that's Locomotion. He says, my first and only experience with Locomotion comes from playing the Intellivision port of this game. Heck, I didn't even know it was an arcade port until a few years ago. This game is a take on the sliding block puzzles, and it is a heck of a fun take. One thing I did not know when I first played this game, I didn't have a manual, was that crazy trains show up if you fail to pick up the passengers at the train station. Oh, Ta-da. okay. Ta-da. Oh, stop. I, I, Come I. on, copyright Johnny. <laughs> Heck, those are sent by passengers because they are pissed you didn't pick them up. I did not know. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Ah! <laughs> I just knew to avoid those trains, which is Terror not train. exactly easy at times due to the tracks that have to be moved to keep your own train going. The Intellivision version is a pretty accurate representation of the arcade, based on what I can see of the arcade version on the videos. Your train is white instead of having some more colors, but it still plays like the arcade version. Of course, the Intellivision has another game that is quite similar, Happy Trails. For me, both games are enjoyable and I love to play them. As for the arcade locomotion, I can only hope I see it at a retro event so I can play it. Yeah, I agree with that, you anyway. He says, so that's all for today, going to the Final Frontier Gaming. Um, and he puts a postscript on there that says, either of you guys going to PRGE, Portland Retro Gaming Expo? Unfortunately, no. Yep. I want to get there someday, but with the amount of time I have off and the amount of money I have, yeah, it's not, not going to be possible. Girl, same. Ooh, you go, girl. Yeah, I'm thing is like I've mentioned it to my wife that I kind of would like to go sometime and she said, "Well, let's let's go sometime because I'd love to go back to Portland and you know, so it's always a possibility in the near well not near future, but in the distant future just not this year." Yeah. And especially because um oh, what really I might be blacklisted from Atari age for saying this, but man, it bugs me to no end that it seems that Atari age thinks that Portland Retro Gaming Expo is the only time they can release new games. Yeah, that I don't get me wrong. Love Albert; he's a great guy. He's, but, yeah, uh, absolutely. But yeah, I, I don't get the the importance placed on PRGE when uh, Midwest Gaming Classic is a huge. Oh yeah, that's my grande. It's like yeah, at least do that. If not, I mean, yeah, I know he doesn't go to Midwest Gaming Classic anymore, but at least make them available at the time. Mm-hmm. So you, that way you have it kind of evenly spaced out throughout the year, and you don't have to wait a freaking year for new games. 
but what do I know? I mean, I'm just a... Sh- oh, wait, wrong, wrong podcast. All right, so is that everything we got then? I do believe so, and we already talked about the theme. So, but we do have... One more thing we have to do before we sign out of here. Well, two other things. Two other things, and I, I really would like to thank those who have uh, monetarily supported us uh, over time, and uh, the ones who are currently supporting us. I want to give a shout out. Uh, I'll be as quickly as I can, as quickly as I can, no, as quick as I can. Mike Hat and Jay, thank you. Also, thanks to Richard Valdez, Timmy Mack, New Balance Stores Phoenix, Mark Super, Retro Game Club Podcast, Kevin Bean, Art Guglielmo, Rory Coleman. Atari Bytes, D. Alex, Underground Retrocade, Christian Williams, Daniel Chavez, Keith Sheehan, Nate Lockhart, the SNES Podcast, thank you, Greg, Kurt Musgrave, Lance Andres, Richard Grounds, and P. J. Steele. Thank you all. Thank you for oh, your support. and as an FYI, um, Rory uh, Charles Coleman's birthday is coming up pretty soon. Oh, really? Yes, because him and I have the same birthday. Oh, and we went to the same school. <laughs> wow. Birthday party for two people. Woohoo. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and uh, if you're uh, around the Chicago area on the 10th, planning a trip to the Vintage Computer Festival Midwest in, uh, was, was that Elmhurst? I think it's Elmhurst. Yeah, it's, it's just At York north and of Roosevelt the, Roads, is it? No. Where you, no. It's in Elmhurst, just north of the uh, Oak Brook uh, Shopping Center. So, at, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the joint. It's a hotel. It's back in a industrial park which is kind of a weird place for yeah it. but i'm assuming i'm thinking the hotel was there first because it's like right along a river yeah true true but uh so we're we gonna be go heading out for up pizza there. afterwards too we might we? go out for pizza and we might make a uh a trip over to uh the galloping ghost afterwards yep. depends on how everyone's feeling yep. yep so that's coming up so if you want to join us and uh, we will uh, yeah talk to you all later. It seems like there was something else I was going to mention. You're going to mention probably the games that we're going to talk about for episode oh, yeah, 133. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for episode 133, uh, we're going to talk about hard driving. Oh. I wonder if I should talk about race driving. Mm-hmm. I'll make a mention of it. And stun runner. Stun runner. Ooh. Stun runner. <laughs> and also, uh, we do plan to do a kind of a Q&A episode coming up. Yes, so, an we- Ask Us Anything episode. So get those questions in. Uh, you can uh, contact us through Pie Factory at fab4it.com, Pie Factory Podcast at fab4it.com. We're on Discord. Uh, let message us or whatever. We'll get you a link to that. And uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, since n- I'm no longer banned from Facebook again. Well, by the time you hear this, things might have been yeah, changed. Probably. And the last couple of bands have been stupid things. Did you see what I got banned for this last time? No, I didn't. It was a meme. It was a fake newspaper article. I loved it. I thought it was great, but uh, I, it was a fake article called How to Kick a Baby's Ass, Six Moves That'll Guarantee <laughs> Victory. I got banned for that. Oh, boy. Well, let me guess, you found it on Facebook in the first place, right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Six Moves That'll Guarantee Victory. I love the I love the parenthetical on that. So, it's yeah, awesome. we're, we're doing an Ask Me Anything, and it can be anything at all except sex, politics, and religion, please. Uh, but if you want to know six moves that'll guarantee victory uh, and how to kick a baby's ass, I mean that that's fine. Yeah, we're just not going to put it on Facebook. That's all. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think all that's... praise be to Zuck. Oh yes, yes, hail hail uh, Zuckerberg. Uh, yeah. Praise uh, Zuck from whom all blessings. Yeah, I think Friday flow. night I'm going to grill up some Zuckerbergers and the uh, the Weber. So. Ooh 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 ooh! If you had zucchini, oh the burgers, you'd have oh. Zuck. Or burgers. Oh boy, I'm sure somebody or if has you a, made a choice for that. 
if you if you had a choice, it would be Zuck or burgers. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. so yeah, vegetarian option. Ho oh, ho. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. So all right. Yeah, so, it's uh, showing up here up north in Pi oh, headquarters, North Division. Yeah. And one thing I forgot oh. to mention. Oh. And one thing uh, I wanted to bring up, uh, I totally forgot to bring it up uh, earlier, but I think this is as good a time as any to bring it up. Uh, September is National Suicide Prevention yes. Awareness Month, and uh, we have now have a new resource in the United States for yes, uh, yes, for uh, suicide prevention. And that's 988. You no longer have to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, although that number is still available. But you can just call 988 on any phone in the United States, and you'll be put through to a counselor uh, if you're having any problems with that. The website is 988lifeline.org. We'll link that for sure. And you can even text 988 Nice to, uh, to chat. So September is of Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and the week of the 4th to the 10th, <laughs> the day before my birthday, is a National Suicide Prevention Awareness Week. So uh, if you need help, reach out and uh, just, as again, just dial 988 and you'll be connected to a counselor. And uh, this is an issue that's very important to both Sean and I. And uh, we don't want any of you out there feeling, uh, you know, like you got no recourse. And we don't want you doing anything permanent. Yeah. A lot of people say, oh, suicide, why would you do something so stupid? Uh, you, you know, you're doing something stupid. No, you're not doing anything stupid. You're doing something permanent. No matter what you might think, there are people out there that care for you. Yep. Dial 988, and that will get you get you some help. So just wanted to just wanted to end the uh, the show with that because I've been going through some uh, rough times recently, and uh, it's good to know that there are resources out there. For Absolutely. You. So just wanted to end on that. So thank you all for listening. Uh, talk to you for uh, episode one thirty three. Tin, tin, and I'm going to end with something a little different. Support your friends. Yes, so, including bye-bye. those at your local arcade. Including them. Yeah. Yeah. But be there for your friends. Yes, yes please. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde Saint Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash Pie Factory Podcast. <laughs>